There's only one way to start the show with the heat in the crew. Brewers keep turning up that heat, and today is going to get hotter than the thickens out there. As, oh my God, the Brewers get it done again as they beat the Minnesota Twins. Cubs lose. Feels good. And Rowdy back from vacation. Good morning, Rowdy. Yeah, good morning. Uh, Brewers' big win. Now they look to close out this two-game series with the Minnesota Twins. Corbin Burns on the mound. Uh, and the roof is open today, Rowdy. People uh, up in arms about it already. Our guy True Advisor saying, how the hell is the roof open? Uh, Kinger also, because uh, when I shared the Razor's Edge yesterday, you had the Brewers on it, obviously, which you got the win. Kinger was uh, you know, beside himself. <laughs> And he says the the question now becomes, will Nelson double down with Burns on the mound today with the roof open in this heat? Now, I don't want to make people like King cry, but uh, I was the other day just looking at some of the Cy Young awards and where those odds currently stood. Just want to put it out there that uh, Corbin Burns is actually sixth oh. on the list for Cy Young odds at this point. Who's uh who's up above Corbin Burns? I'd have to go back and find it, but yeah, he was in the top six. Then a, then a boy Burns, he lets I go. I know Zach Gallon was the favorite out of Arizona. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, Burns, uh, roof open on the mound against the Twinkies today. One ten first pitch. Uh, I know uh, one of our good listeners, the Maytag man, Zach, is going to be up there with his entire family. Uh, he has six kids. His he wife. single-handedly will make this day game get to 30,000 people. Listen, Mark Adonazio thanks you for bringing your entire family with you, Zach. Six kids, his wife, and obviously himself. That's eight people. Uh, maybe a small bank loan would be uh, in order today for uh, some of And our own Grant Bills is going to be in attendance today, too, uh, at American Family Field. So we'll have intern, Stone Cold Intern Austin couldn't come in yesterday. His tummy, his tummy hurt. Well, now he's uh, going to be man in the Bill Michael show. So I think this is his last hurrah. So we'll get him in the 9 o'clock hour to send him off and then give him the bill. And then it's off he goes. But Grant is going to be boots on the ground uh, at American Family Field. Yeah, here we go. Favorite to win the NL Cy Young, Zach Gallen, Arizona. Uh, currently slightly in second place, Spencer Strider, Atlanta. Blake Snell, who's having a hell of a season in third place for the Padres. Logan Webb out there in San Francisco. Then it's Justin Steele, the Cubby, and Corbin Burns. Ooh, Burnsy up there, waking his way up there. Um, well, hey, Rowdy, remember when we were freaking out about Corbin Burns to start the season? And then all of a sudden he's settled back now into a Cy Young, uh, I don't want to say contender, but outside shot? wasn't me, but it was definitely some other people, especially because two out of his first three starts was uh, not ideal. And I believe he had like eight-plus innings where he had given up nine earned runs to start the season. But if you look at all of his starts, game log by game log, that ERA has pretty much come down nearly every start since, or or it overall has been dropping, and now it's uh, it's under three and a half. And you know what's actually kind of interesting? What's that, Rowdy? I listed all those guys that are currently ahead of him, but just in general, when you look at ERA and pitchers this year, outside of about a handful of guys overall, ERAs and, and pitcher numbers have been up, which also kind of coincides with the fact that hitting numbers have been up and runs have been up. Mm -hmm. So with some of these new rules, obviously it, it's helped the hitters a little bit this season, not only for the teams to score runs but get base hits. And it doesn't help when you see a lot of people mentioning how some of these 
uh, I shouldn't say errors. Some of these plays that used to be errors <laughs> are now also being scored as hits. Seen a lot of that this year. Uh, yeah. Speaking of pitchers, though, Rowdy, uh, Wade Miley on the mound last night. Uh, Wade Miley going five innings, giving up five hits, three earned runs, struck out four, walked one, uh, had 89 pitches, and his ERA is now at 3.18. It would be Bob, what, Bryce Wilson getting the win. But Wade Miley, um, a- another one healthy, pretty damn good for the crew, Rowdy. He's going to hold strong with Wade Miley. Yeah, Wade Miley, again, pitched well enough for the Brewers to obviously win, and now you're starting to look at it, and you almost have to start to look at Wade Miley for next year. Like, Obviously, he's a guy that's in his mid to late 30s. How much longer do you want him on this roster? But also knowing that you have a ton of guys on this roster that – 2024 next season is the last year of their deal. Obviously, the Brewers are going to want to try to move or extend pretty much the majority of them. And obviously, when you talk about extensions, there's really only a couple names that are really on that list. So the rest, you're probably going to want to move. Wade Miley, though, has a mutual option next year for $10 million with what that starting pitching market looked like last year. You got to really consider picking that up. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, Wade Miley was talking after the game, saying he expected to be sharper, but he'll take a Brewers win. Brewers now nine wins in the the team's last thirteen games. You're looking at another you know, two game sweep coming up today, and then now you got Willie Adamas kind of coming around a little bit as well. Willie Adamas uh, getting a little more action. Uh, let's see here. He's had. God, how many RBIs has he had in the last couple of games here? Willie Adamas has been getting it done, so it's nice to see Willie come around. Well, at one point, uh, two, three weeks ago, Willie Adamas had a batting average of 201, (laughs) and now he's raised that this late into the season. Obviously, this is the fifth month of the season. He raised that to 213, so clearly he's had to have been hitting the ball the last two or three weeks to to even raise his batting average up 12 points, even when it was so pitiful as just barely over 200. But how about uh, with the sweep of the Rangers and now obviously starting 1-0 against the Twins? Brewers still putting ground between them and the Cubs and the Reds. Yeah. Uh, back to Willie Adamas, like two-run shot last night, four straight games with an RBI, and he is the first Milwaukee Brewer to reach 20 home runs. What, what do you think of that? The first Brewer, and we're in August, yesterday, August 22nd, for the first Brewer to reach 20 home Clearly runs. Clearly the Brewers don't hit a lot of home runs and don't hit <laughs> nearly as many as home runs as they did last year. Yeah, what happened from and last year to this year? Sorry, not that impressed when I can go on Twitter and find a Keston Hira Nashville home run every other night. Yeah, how many is he at now? Uh, God, he had, what, was it 23 is already that last week, something like that? I know he had a bunch. 25 plus, even though he missed like 60 games. Yeah, Keston Hira, just, I don't know what he's going to do to get uh, called back up, but uh, do you think we're going to ever see Keston Hira no. in the pigs this, this year for Howdy? If, no. if you haven't seen him yet, I don't know why you'd see him in the future. With, yeah, all the, with all Daddy. the injuries that you've had to your outfield, with all the injuries that you've had to first base, with the lack of production at second base, the lack of production at DH, no. Poor, uh, poor Keston. And then there's this. Jesse Winker's rehab assignment was transferred to AAA Nashville. You know, Winker, the stinker rowdy, might be uh, <laughs> working. <laughs> I forgot that guy even was existing for the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Winker, the stinker. But, yeah, looking at today's action, um, who's going on the mound for the Twins? I have to go look. Kenton Maeda. Oh, Maeda. Okay. All right, Rowdy, what are we thinking of this game? Um, what are we thinking coming up here? Brewers, nice little chance. Get that Twinkies, a little two-game sweep here. Hey, you need another uh, start from your ace. You need another ace start. Yeah, and uh, let's see here. For today's action, um, I did see the Brewers. Now, it's hot as hell out there. The ball's going to be flying yeah. today. Uh, let's see here. The Brewers were tweeting out last uh, for, for fans attending today's game. 
take extra precautions due to the high temperatures. Uh, you are check this out. This is crazy. Bringing drinks into the stadium will be allowed, but containers must be sealed and made of clear plastic. And there are no limit on the number of bottles or size. Only thing is, though, alcohol is not permitted. The roof will be open, but there will be cooling rooms available on the terrace level. And fans are encouraged to wear a hat and sunscreen, stay hydrated, and take breaks in the shade when needed. It sure, <laughs> it sure would be a shame if that last AC unit kicked the kicked the bucket today. That might be the final nail to, to get the Brewers relocate Coffin though. Uh, Mark Adonazio will be like, "All right, we're, we're out of here. We can't be in well, Milwaukee." You know they got to beat the White Sox now to that. Yeah, I was talking about that yesterday. White Sox looking to uh, what head to Nashville potentially on the list. Um, and they canned everybody. They canned pretty much everyone in the front office. Yeah. So White Sox, as you know, I was talking about yesterday when uh, Nelly's on vacay. White Sox and RJ and I are talking about it. Uh, could definitely be in the move. Their lease is up in, I think it was six years, I want to say, if I remember correctly. For so the White just Sox. before the Brewers? Yeah. Because, um, you know, the Bears are leaving Chicago, Soldier Field. And then the White Sox are talking about leaving the South Side. And they said they should have already had uh, negotiations been talking about the lease renewal, but none of that is happening. So uh, Nashville was on there, Rowdy. I know Brewers were being, like, when that story came out a couple months uh, weeks ago for relocation, they're talking about Nashville as well for there. What was it? Ve- obviously Vegas. Montreal. Vegas, Vegas Montreal, Nashville, Nashville, Salt Lake, Portland. Oh, why would you want to go to Portland? Well, yeah, so uh, if that other AC unit kicks out today, Mark Anazio might be like, we're Actually, out of here, when I was there... Ooh, a couple of weeks ago when they played the Rockies, they actually did allow you to bring in water. Because I remember one of the ushers when you're filing in there, like getting your uh, tickets scanned. Yeah. They were mentioning how you could bring in water, but it had to be clear, like you mentioned, and, and sealed. So... I, that is actually one of the first times I remember hearing someone say that. And now, obviously, when it's really, really hot, they're yeah. still allowing it. Yeah, you can bring in, in it says, that doesn't specify, it just says drinks besides alcohol. And you got to be sealed and made of clear plastic. I would just bring in giant gallon jugs of water. If I would have known that, yeah, I probably would have brought in my own water instead of spending $21 <laughs> and change on two hot dogs and a water. Uh, the Kingler's asking, were you padded down? No. In there. And, and by the way, can the over-the-line listeners figure out how to spell Rudy? <laughs> the King's tweet? Yeah, I was going to save that for when Scott uh, inevitably called in. Today is a big day for, uh, for movie and, I guess, real-life characters as well. Yeah, R-U-T-Y. Rudy. R-O-O-T-Y. Rudy. Rudy. Rudiger. Yeah, Rudy. Happy birthday. To the Notre Dame player that is known as Rudy today, is seventy five years young. Isn't he kind of a, isn't he kind of an a hole? Like after all the movie and all that stuff, I think I was reading reports that he's kind of a he's kind of a dead party animal. Yeah, is that what it is? <laughs> hey, why not? Why wouldn't you be? All right, we also got Packers on the brain today. We'll get more back into the Brewers. Uh, some guys coming back too from injury. Uh, so the Brewers come playoff time, going to have a full slate. But yeah, they're now three and a half up uh, on the Cubs as the Cubs. Um, they, they didn't play. Did they play last night? No, they uh, they did not play. Yeah, they. But the Reds lost. Or sorry, the Reds won late night uh, in Los Angeles against the Angels. Oh yeah. Oh, th- you had the money line correct on that for the Razor's Edge as well. How about that? 
Man, Angels. Yikes. Um, all right, Do you see would... L.A. Stadium, by the way, uh, the Dodgers? Yeah, how it's all like, like uh, surrounded like a moat? Yeah, I can't remember. It was either the 18th or the 20th ever um, game that was postponed due to rain. In Say that again? His, in their history. Say that again? I can't remember if it was the 18th or the 20th. It was one of those two uh, game in the history of the Los Angeles Dodgers where a, a game was canceled due to rain. Yeah. Uh, you know, it really doesn't rain out there. Was it Hurricane Hillary? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Tigers did beat the Cubs last night. Excuse me. Uh, eight to six. Thank you, King. Um, yeah, Hurricane Hillary, Rowdy. It's out there just... Destroying all kinds of uh, evident, or I mean, things around you know uh, L.A. is that picture was wild with uh, the water surrounding. Yeah, it was basically like a moat around Dodger <laughs> yeah. Stadium. It was, it was. I mean, it was kind of cool looking. At the same time, you know, you feel bad for uh, you know, the storms out there and whatnot, but still, uh, pretty wild with the weather. Speaking of the weather, my God, uh, strapping today. Let's see. Grant Bills told me he's going to be wearing uh, a. T- what did he say? I think he said a a t-shirt some shorts, his sandals, and a giant, like, safari hat at a baseball game. I could, I can envision Grant in, like, socks with the Jesus sandals, some khaki shorts, like a, like a tie-dye Grateful Dead t-shirt, and then a giant, like, safari hat. God forbid those ever sitting behind Grant Bills with that giant safari hat. Hopefully it's, a you know, someone like Bill Michaels who can look over him, you know, Rowdy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, roof's open today. People are like, why is the roof open? Why I'll is be the interested open? to see how many people uh, pack it into American Family Field today. Obviously, the Brewers are hot, and yeah. they are one of almost every team in Major League Baseball where attendance has been up this year. Yeah, Brewers had, let's see here, 38,688 people, well, sold tickets uh, last night. It was 93% full, and that was on a you know a Tuesday night. Hopefully, they have Grant Bills stuck up in the nosebleeds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where his tickets are. I'll have to ask him uh, when he's on his way up. But I don't know. Do you tailgate in this weather, Rowdy? If you do, you got a lot of drinks on hand with some ice. Can you even get? I don't even think you can even get drunk in this weather if you're tailgating. Like you just sweat the booze right out. Uh, when I had my wedding, it was the hottest day of the summer um, in 2016, and it was like a with the heat index. It was like a hundred and like three degrees. We had seven kegs uh, for 110 people. All kegs were gone. I don't think anyone's really drunk, though, as uh, you just literally sweat out the booze uh, immediately. So, yeah, careful out there. It'll be a good one. I saw a hilarious. I think Bill Michaels was talking yesterday. He was going on and on and on about how the weather people are just drumming up fear of the seat. And Bill said he was going to possibly do a show from the, his Tiki Lounge today, Rowdy, to prove that it, it really truly isn't that hot out. And you can uh, you know, operate outside when it's 100 degrees. So we might get a little Bill Michaels action at the Tiki Bar uh, from 10 to 2 today. Moral, I guess, will be revealed. I think, you know how they, I think we would call this day, people remember it as the Bill Michaels drip. (laughs) (laughs) There's Ric Flair drip, and then there's Bill Michaels drip. What What kind of drip is the Bill Michaels drip? Is that just sweat? That's definitely sweat. <laughs> the Bill Michaels drip. All right, our guy uh, Grant Bill is going to go to the Brewers game today. RJ is going to the Brewers game today. Pete's going to the Brewers game. Yeah, our guy Pete, uh, affirmative action Pete, uh, going Maytag to the Brewers Man's game. Maytag Man's going to. Maytag Man and his entire army of uh, family the going. The show will be well represented. It will be. I want to see. RJ, have you ever made a sign at American Family Field or no. previously at Miller Park? I am not a child. <laughs> what do you think? 
Hey, I made hey, Rowdy one. made one. I was an adult. And it literally got Keston Hira back up uh, on the active roster. Yeah. Rowdy, you should go in a day with RJ. See if they got an extra ticket. Maybe then you could get <laughs> Keston Hira back on the... You put Matt Arnold on notice. Say, get Kest Daddy back up here. It worked last time we went. And you made a sign. I don't know. I mean, it'd be better than having uh, Brian Anderson, you know, just striking out every at-bat. Here's the thing. God forbid Monasterio keeps hitting it directly to somebody. At least he's making contact. Here's the thing, Brian though, with Hero. Which one? With what he's doing Better. in AAA now pretty much the entire season, even with a gap of missing six to eight weeks where he had the knee injury, Yeah. at what point do you just say, the guy really can't do anymore? He's hitting like 320-plus yeah. in AAA. He has 20-plus home runs. Again, he missed like roughly 50, 60 games. Like, what does he have to do to actually get a call? Will he be the 27th, 28th roster spot when they expand in September? Because if he doesn't get a call as the expanded roster spot, I, I don't know when he's ever going to actually get called back up because for that, some reason he feels point, like he's been blackballed. For your release. Yeah, Kest- he feels like he's been blackballed. Keston Hira has uh, 54 runs, 94 hits, 22 home runs, 74 RBIs, an average of 321, uh, on-base percentage of 405, and an OPS of 995. Like, you really can't play much better. <laughs> oh, you can't. <laughs> he is balling. And for all the people that are like, well, he always plays well in AAA, and then he gets to the big leagues and he doesn't do anything. He never actually was given a consistent you know playing time in the big leagues look at 19 that was when he got the most consistent playing time and okay. it was still up and down because of the Shaw stuff yep. 2020 was a two-month season he was still productive as a a power hitter yeah. even though the average wasn't there and then 2021 and on it was you know sporadic use a lot of stuff in his family Poor life adjustments splits. that needed to be made yeah. and Poor Kess Daddy. Literally, if, if him. at this point, if he's not one of the two guys that they bring up, because it's going to be a hitter and it's going to be a pitcher, and you already brought up Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer, like you've pretty much exhausted the guys that are close enough to being ready. You're not bringing up Jackson Cheerio. Sorry to everybody out there. It, like, it has to be Hero. Well, I, last night they were even talking about having Garrett Mitchell back. Like, he was in the clubhouse and all that. And they're yeah. like, you look so happy. And they're like, hey, Ashby's well, back in the clubhouse. If he can too. actually make it back, where does he even go? I'm like, anywhere. If he comes back and can play like he did, he, sorry, Joey Weimer, you're probably getting sent down because he's got, a, Mitchell's got the defense to make up for what you lose in Weimer in the field. Yeah. And then Weimer can go back down and work on his hitting. Could you imagine, though, like in the future when you have your outfield where it's it's Joey Weimer, it's Garrett Mitchell, and it's Sal Freelich, and you can actually move Yelly Christian Yelich to DH? Like all three Nobody's of them. Nobody's running on that team. Yeah, all three of them have, have above average arms to plus arms. Yeah. All three of them are above average to plus defenders. Mm-hmm. All three of them are plus speed. Yeah. Um. Sorry, but Yelich needs to get the F out of left field yeah. when those three are all officially ready and healthy. And, and now that night, that that's probably not next year. No. Because Weimer, obviously, it, he's showing you that he needs more time in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Out of injuries, that's why he's up here. Right. Sal Freelich, he probably in the perfect world would have been grabbed and, and promoted this September or next May. Yep. So he still could have some time Thanks, in the minor Garrett leagues Mitchell. for a, for a split second. Garrett Mitchell was the most ready out of all three. But in the next, we'll say 
season of 2025, that could very well be your outfield. Like, in listening, and maybe I just forgotten or never heard it originally, last night they were talking about his surgery and all that and rehab. It was a full 360-degree tear of the rotator cuff. I don't know if I heard that. I just yeah. know was, I just know he was hurt and his, that, that and his was, rotator cuff. That's what Sophia Minard said last wow. night on the broadcast. Well, I'm like, Ooh, wow. if you remember like, when he slid yeah. in, it was like the third week of the season. Yeah, and he slides into third base, and yeah, he tears his his shoulder all up. Maybe but he then he never he goes in back in <laughs> to center field, and remember there was a play where he caught a ball middle deep in center field, took one step and unleashed it, and yeah. he already had hurt his shoulder the half inning before. Yeah. And he threw a pretty damn good ball to the catcher. Now it was it was slightly late, and the guy was safe. But that was you know a medium deep throw where you'd have to be on the money, especially with a guy that had decent speed. Yeah, he did that with his his shoulder torn. Yeah. I imagine in his head it was like when uh, Chet Stepman blew out his arm. Oh hell, and you yes. heard the guitar riff when he yeah. was throwing. It. it was like pow, and you're oh, like. Ah! That's dead, but nice, nice pull, RJ. The rocket. Hell yeah. Um, I was told that's a bad baseball movie. No. Can you imagine a very fake movie about a kid breaking his arm and his tendons fusing too tight, and you say it's not realistic baseball movie? Uh, you mean to tell me a 12-year-old playing for the Chicago Cubs uh, in the majors isn't realistic, RJ? <laughs> Whatever old he was yeah. at the time. Well, <laughs> he, the, 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 the bag <laughs> trick? He was also American. So he he couldn't sign until he graduated from high school. That's why his uh, mom signed. Yeah, so you mean to tell me that movie's not believable? Now, if if he was an American, he'd have an opportunity to get signed a couple years earlier. To, to the academy. So he's, yeah, he's still a little too young. Henry Rowan Gartner? Come on, come on, kid, let's go. Rowan Weiser. <laughs> what do you say? You know what? This after watching this movie, your first thought is, yeah, it's just not believable. It's just, just I can't get behind this movie. It's just the not believable. The first time I watched the movie. I was like 10 or 12, and I was like, maybe that can happen to me someday. Yeah. Did you try and get yourself injured? Like, go try and break yeah. your arm or something? <laughs> I Mom, I need a out. full arm cast. I need a ball that I can run at and, and flip <laughs> over and break my shoulder. How about Gary Busey, though, as Chet Stedman? Like, yeah. He looks like a great, like, throwback pitcher. Gary he, Busey. You got to have the have to. Yeah. What? He just, <laughs> he just looks the part of a great throwback pitcher who would go out there and be a man and pitch the whole game. <laughs> he did. He pitched till his arm fell off. <laughs> yeah. And his uh, manager let him. That's what you did in the 90s. And then what they do? They signed a freaking 12-year-old kid to bring him home to the promised land. Hell yeah. All right. So uh, you brought up Brian Anderson, the hitter, not the broadcaster. Well, you said Brian Anderson talked about it. So I was like, yeah. which one? Well, last uh, yesterday, last night. Yeah. Anderson towards the middle and sneaks through. That'll score two more. VA comes up clutch. It's 7-3. Anderson said, uh, quote, the last couple of weeks, it felt like there's been 15 defenders out there and there's nowhere that the ball can land. So seeing a ball get through the infield, especially in a big spot like that, was really great. It feels like there's been 15 defenders out in the field the entire season for every <laughs> Brewer hitter. Yeah, totally. But, I mean, Brian Anderson was brought in. He was a guy that had had about a season and a half in Miami of, of really good play and then nagging injury after nagging injury. You knew that you were going to be bringing in a, a plus defender. And for the most part, when he's healthy, Brian Anderson's played pretty darn good defense, whether that's third base or corner outfield. But the the stick was always the question mark. And, you know, I mentioned there how he, he played about a 
good year, year and a half in Miami, and then it was pretty inconsistent hitting-wise. We've kind of seen the same thing again this year. Remember he was absolutely on fire those first three weeks? Yeah. And he was, like, mashing home run after home run. And we're like, dang, he's already got, like, four or five home runs. And, oh, dang. You know, he, he, hit, <laughs> oh, 20, he hit 20 at uh, Marlins Park, which is actually a, a pretty big Cavernous. ballpark. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, pretty much after that uh, third week, he's how about, offensively how about, has not been yeah, the same. I like this for uh, Brian Anderson. Anderson's two-run single had an exit velocity of 80.6 miles per hour. Isn't well. That- that whole inning they were talking about the exit velocity yeah, well, of the, the bats. Terang and Taylor both had singles too, had exit velocities of, well, sorry, below 65 miles per hour. <laughs> I mean, it was basically kind of what was happening to them against the Dodgers, where the Dodgers were finding the, even the Rangers, when they were getting hits in that series, it was like little rinky-dink ones. They weren't even getting good contact on the Brewers pitching, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, sometimes if you get those ground ball with eyes, you are good to go. Baseball's a funny sport, man. It's got to make a little contact. Anything can happen. All right. Um, I think I saw a tweet. I think it was from Kurt Hogg. The Hogg. Um, that Whee! talked about a base hit that uh, Tyrone Taylor got last night that came off the bat less than 65 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like... But, you have your seeing eyes, and, and, it, and it's thankfully that... That is uh, the fact that the Brewers are finally getting those. Yeah. Because. Yeah, Tarang and Taylor both at below 65. Oh, there are some games where you, as a Brewer fan, you just wonder how they find ways to not score runs when they put guys on. Yeah. Like, they feel like the only team in baseball that that happens to, obviously, but it's it's not true. <laughs> Other teams struggle at. Like, the Yankees' offense has been just <laughs> god awful, like, well, terrible. Obviously. And you're hearing all the headline news on that. But, man, you watch these Brewers long enough, it just feels like since forever they're a team that can't hit with runners in scoring position and they're a team that can't come up with big hits when they need yeah. them. But uh, it's just in your head, I guess. Yeah. Well, look at – I mean, what's – Yelich in 286. You have Contreras 275 now. Uh, Santana 225. What's – Canna's 244. Uh, outside of that, you got a bunch of guys that aren't doing too much. Uh, Rowdy Telez back. Rowdy. Um, what do you think of you know, Rowdy getting back in the lineup? Just whatever. Dude, Who cares? His, his first one back, though, like he had no official at bats until he got an out yeah. recorded. <laughs> one one out, three walks. <laughs> uh, they're going to get a little healthier here. We were just talking about it. We'll save it for a, a little later in the show coming up. But yeah, Garrett Mitchell uh, and both Aaron Ashby both checked into AmFam Field yesterday. So we'll get more into that as this Brewers team's getting a little healthier as the playoffs roll around here. So uh, Willie Adamas has started hitting the ball better. Obviously we mentioned earlier in the show, he was hitting at one point two Oh one. And in the last couple of weeks has brought his batting average up 12 points to two thirteen, and supplying a little bit of power leads the team with 20 home runs. Do we think that there's anything for Rowdy Telez to come in and, and play better because he was still hitting with some pop for what Rowdy Telez was, but he wasn't hitting for an average at all. Like both of these guys, Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez, like their ideal type player is being a 240 to 260 hitter with some pop. Obviously, Willie Adamas brings the plus defense. Rowdy Telez is pretty average at first base. But overall, like that's that's kind of what they are. Neither of which have brought in anything near that. But do we really see Rowdy bringing anything? No. 
No, I, I don't think so. I don't either. Have, I don't have think there so. been that many injuries and call-ups this year that only three Brewers currently qualify for like postseason awards? Yeah, they've I, had 12. Well, Yelich, Contreras, and Adamas. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, because Brian Anderson at third base had been yeah. hurt. You had Rowdy Telez at first base. Your outfield with Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, Sal Freelich has been ever-changing. Mm-hmm. Um we, uh, not I Weimer. Um, Weimer might have enough Winker, ABs by now. Winker was out there yeah, playing from stinker. time to time. You had you had a lot of rotating pieces like Owen Miller. Oh, Don't forget about Miller. him. Yeah, like you've had a lot of rotating pieces, so it makes sense. It's Yelich. Like it's your shortstop it's, and it's your catcher. It's a, hey, we're and in first we've, place we've though, talked baby. about it like the past few years now. The Brewers have had like zero people qualify for awards, or you know they end up. Or a, a they get pulled a little away. early when they could have qualified for one, but council's like, yeah, you know what? This one's not on the Brewers' front office. No, and I know, manager. but like, but like in years past, we, it seems we've always talked about. There's only two guys. Who, like, yeah, it's just is is that baseball now? Yes. Are there very few teams that have? Guys qualifying for you got to protect your multi million dollar investments for the uh, postseason. I think I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like it. You'd have to look at. I bet it uh, differs from team to team. Probably. Because a team like the Brewers that were built on, hey, we have Christian Yelich, we hope he's back. Hey, we have Willie Adamas, we brought in this good hitting catcher, and then it's a lot of journeymen rotating pieces Ooh, that we were relying on for depth. <laughs> You, I bet a team that's assembled like the Brewers would have more guys that are somewhat closer to qualifying but aren't technically qualified. Where you have like a, a Weimer's actually pretty close. A Dodgers team, which you kind of know who your guys were. Yeah, you might have a few guys. You know, maybe two or three guys might be rotating, but you know who your real lineup is. I would bet a team like the Dodgers or the Braves would have outside of big time injuries would have a ton of guys that are qualified. It's just how your team is. Assembled, yeah. Like your Royals and A's that are always bringing up new guys and trying out young players, they're not going to have a ton of guys that are qualified. But uh, this is the way the Brewers do it. This is it. Roof's open today, by the way, boys. Get ready. RJ's going. Grant's going. A lot of listeners going. Yet? Nope, you're good. <laughs> you're not pitting out yet. Yet. This is the, uh, oh, I will be before even getting into the stadium. Probably. What will be first? The back sweat, the boob sweat, or the pit sweat? When you get hop out there, all at the same time. I think the lower back hits me first, and then the usually does. Then the middle boob. Yep. And then we'll see what happens with the pets. <laughs> Not the under boob. <laughs> so it's always the middle boob for me. <laughs> it like trickles down, I get a little like down oh, the belly yeah. button sweat. You know, mm. nothing worse than when it uh, goes right down the crack. Oh, <laughs> then you're like, yeah. oh. I- Colin Cowherd on one hand is proclaiming Jordan Love to be a complete bum. Can never do anything, all because of that one pass to Luke Musgrave that he missed. Well, after the second preseason game, Dan Orlovsky was uh, on Get Up talking about what he's seen from Love so far. How Jordan Love has taken the lower body mechanics and matched them to his talent and their offense. That was the big question mark for him coming out of school. And he's been able to work at it and work at it. And then now the confidence in what he's doing. One hitch, drive the football. Two hitch, check down. A little bit of a slower hitch. And then you're watching this young player develop and then watching some of the young talent around him develop. Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, Christian Watson. So, you know, Green Bay's set up right now. And I've talked about this since I feel March, that if Jordan Love is average, they're a playoff team. 
Right now, Jordan Love does not look average. I understand it's the preseason. Right now, Jordan Love looks to be very, very good. Mm-hmm. And- I'm going to stop it right there. Average, they're a playoff team of Jordan Love. Jordan Love looking very good, therefore better than an you know, average. Going to be a playoff team. Jordan Love, uh, 12 of 18, 130 passing yards, two touchdowns, and a pass rating of 124.8 so far this preseason. I know it's uh, limited action, Rowdy, but how are you feeling about Jordan Love getting two more preseason games under the belt or a couple more drives under the belt for Jordan Love as we near the start of this season? Well, I agree. I think they're a fringe playoff team if Jordan Love is average. You know, comes in as roughly the 16th best quarterback in the NFL. I think the roster is that good, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. I know we've always, it feels like as Packer fans, since that Super Bowl, have been wanting more and more from the defense. But it feels like the defense should be good enough where if Jordan Love is average, with the young talent that they do have that flashes this, this last year and, and talent that they've added to the team, they can be a fringe playoff team. Is that nine and eight? Is that eight and nine? Maybe I think the best case scenario I could see them being is like a 10 and seven, but that's, that's fringe playoff. Yeah, I, totally. I, I'd agree to a point with that. Now, I wouldn't say I'm ready to anoint Jordan Love as being the next great quarterback in the NFL. And and I was high on Love on, you know, number two coming out in that draft, which I would still say even from that draft is is wrong, even though that was being really high on him. <laughs> There's no way if I re-rank that right now that I would say his ceiling is is the second best in that draft. Clearly Burrow is higher. Clearly Herbert in my mind is higher. Mm-hmm. But then I think if he does come in and play well, he could pass up, you know, the twos of the world. Yeah. He could pass up some of the other quarterbacks that were selected in that same range that We'll see, though. I, that That's the whole thing for me. We'll see. Like, we've seen flashes in the preseason from yeah, that's, Love. Yeah. We saw a little bit, uh, was that two years ago, when he played against Buffalo and made some plays, and then kind of the, the second and third stringers around him kind of failed him a little bit from time to time in some of these games. We've seen highs. We've seen lows. I think that's what we'll see this year. But overall, I'm not ready to say, oh, he's – he really is this good. He's he's clearly a guy that could be a top five quarterback. He looks darn good. I want to wait and see. I want to make sure we, he can do it. Well, Obviously, there's going to be growing yeah, pains. Yeah, but what you've seen so far right now, what's your gut telling you? Not I, not. I'm going to wait and wait, wait. What you've seen so far right now, the more I went and rewatched the second game, I was like, man, Jordan Love, some of those passes are pretty damn good. Like I'm pretty getting more excited as the season nears, inches closer. I would say... His tape, from what I've watched, the first two preseason games this year look closer to the Eagles game, which was his high, than the Chiefs and the Lions, which yes. were clearly real, real live bullets in, in real regular season game lows where it was like, eh. Mm. So, yes, closer to the Eagles than the lesser two. But uh, Beautiful. Hell yeah. And again, it's not that... Uh, for the people out there that are like, well, you know, we want to see this. Yeah, of course, I'm right there with you. But at the same time, it's better to be seeing that than to be seeing the, ooh, this doesn't look like this guy can play at all. <laughs> right. I think I might have found GW or Dougie, our resident Washington Commanders fans burner account. Uh, someone had tweeted, um, so I gave you the stats of Jordan Love so far in preseason, and someone tweeted back to it, Sam Howell is doing better than this, so maybe we just chill out on the preseason altogether. <laughs> see, I was messing with uh, G-Dub when he called in earlier where I said, oh, yeah, you see new nickname for Sam Howell, Captain Checkdown? Yeah. 
it was funny. It, it was funny, and it was a joke, but also it kind of wasn't a joke. He did check down a ton. Yeah. That is one thing you haven't really seen Jordan Love do unless there's nothing else open, and it's like, all right, take your medicine, take the three, four yards, check it down. But you've seen him actually throw the ball quite a bit downfield this uh preseason so far through two games i mean we talk about game one where he had that uh, ball put perfectly and the defender was just able to get the you know a couple fingers on it to knock it away but we've seen romeo dobbs down the sideline game two on a deep ball that was right there and if anything it would have been on romeo dobbs for not catching it because he kind of ran himself almost out of bounds like he (laughs) almost didn't stay in bounds hell of a catch and hell of a toe tap but yeah like we've seen some accurate deep balls and Outside of the one bad miss to Lucas Musgraves, overall, it's it's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been really good. And again, what we've been saying is you'd rather have it be good than or looking good than looking bad. I know, uh, you know, Brett Hundley balled out in preseason. I know Matt Flynn was looking good in preseason, but at the same time, what, would you want him looking bad? Like you wouldn't want that. So I would say the the thing with Jordan Love, he has taken his checkdowns from time to time when nothing else is there instead of holding the football, which we've seen Aaron Rodgers. Uh, do quite a bit and I know some people it's it's a pet peeve with Aaron Rodgers that he holds the football too long but then you also have to remember the days when he was coming up as a younger player or as a you know guy in his prime where he would he was able to you know be elusive in the pocket kill some time and then fire it 40 yards downfield for completions I think it just grew a little long in the tooth with uh, some people because of the last lack of success that the Packers were having overall or the fact that they weren't having or winning Super Bowls but overall I think yeah he's checked it down when he's had to when there hasn't been anything and outside of a few misses overall it's it's been pretty good it's 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 what you would have asked of Jordan Love yeah uh, G-Dub is on Twitch he goes <laughs> Stop, Rowdy. On the, he did. He literally did. <laughs> well, um, and Mike and Portis says, I'm on the commander's wagon this year. They'll be better than predicted. And Gito says, thank you. Thank you, Portis Mike. Did you see did you see the, the commanders? Did you see how the commanders celebrated winning that preseason game? Yes, yeah, their Super Bowl. Oh my God! That like that's embarrassing for a Commanders fan. It was their Super Bowl. Well, you know, we were proclaiming that before the game even started. They stopped uh, from the streak of twenty-five in a row for the Ravens of preseason, and the Commanders lost their minds over it. The, com- the Commanders that was their Super Bowl. The streak for the Ravens, twenty-four straight games. Like I get it, but they didn't even play their backup quarterback in that game. Like Howell was playing against like second, third, and fourth string guys. Like I- yeah. You want to talk about pumping the brakes on Jordan Love? Pump the brakes, Commander fans. Dougie called in. His G-Dub's brother, Dougie, called in and said, I'd take Sam Howell or Jordan Love any day. <laughs> Stop. Um, and I wanted to get, there's uh, some The parallels. only time I would have ever taken Sam Howell over Jordan Love would have been coming out of high school. <laughs> when he was one of the top recruits coming out of high school, went to North Carolina, yeah, I get it. Ran into some maybe not the best uh, s- skilled positions on their teams at times and ran into turning the ball over. Kind of like, you know, like a Sean Clifford gunslinger that can make all the throws, but also turns it over quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That w- that was Sam Howell. And had he not been as big of a turnover guy as he was, yeah, he probably would be a first round pick. But <laughs> guess what? That's not who he was. I saw this from um, um, uh, commanders like site i know the guy that runs it he said how can you not be fired up for the season new ownership new energy new era 
Love all our young guys. The 24-year fog has been lifted. Ready for week one. Keep up the momentum. This could be a great season for all of us. Well, I don't know. What's more exciting, the commander's uh, season with a, a new owner who's got the limpest handshake around, or the Packers can see uh, what Jordan Love has in for store? I would be, I'm more excited for Jordan. Well, obviously, I'm a Packer fan, but the commanders, I feel like, are just going to stink. And Jordan Love, I mean, you can glom onto this one and see a guy come up with uh, hopefully a meteoric rise uh, into the likes of the NFL. I mean, you fire it up for, if you're a, a commander's fan, you got to feel excited about, you know, a new ownership. Well, I don't know. How good are the commanders even going to be this year, Rowdy? I think it's going to be a little tough, tough sledding for him. I'll just say I think they go as far as Sam Howell takes them. So he's going to check down to the couch. I think they'll times? they'll be a team where because he is that gunslinger and has the ability to make a lot of different throws, he is a guy that he probably could pull a rabbit out of his ass here and there <laughs> against a team that you would never see the Commanders beating. But then you're also going to see them get absolutely pounded in some games. G-Dub says, you Packer fans are going to be in a world of hurt this year. 30 years of trust funds like like children. Yeah, but here's the thing. What? I understand. <laughs> I understand yeah, if I'm the not Packers delusional. are great because it's a first-year quarterback. We'll see what he has. And you know what? It's hard to hit the lottery three times in a row. Go from Favre to Rodgers. Like, I fully understand yeah, what the everyone Packers understands are approaching. That. I hope they don't go back to the 70s and 80s. But I understand if he's not good that it's hard to find those type of guys. Mm-hmm. I'm also not putting my eggs in a Sam Howell basket thinking that this guy is all of a sudden going to be great. <laughs> Sam Howell. That's more delusional than than thinking Jordan Love can be okay. Yeah. Uh, phone line's blowing up. Line one, good morning. Who do we got? Good morning. Hey, what, Rob, what's going on, bro? You know how you beat the heat? Stay hydrated. Stay inside. And drink in the morning, brother. <laughs> oh, a little sublime. Hey. Have you guys, uh, you guys remember the movie Waiting with uh, Ryan Reynolds back of, in the day? Of Hilarious course. Movie. Of course. F- f- phenomenal movie. So, you know, that big old commanders win over the 24-0, you know, preseason Ravens. I was thinking about that last scene with the kid. Congratulations. You're great. You're awesome. You're like the smartest guy with Down syndrome. That's what I thought about that celebration yeah it was preseason you know it's uh it's... <laughs> i did not have, i don't know if that was exactly oh whatever i did not have i did not have a movie quote from waiting on my bingo card today oh dude i could name about five of them show him the goat jake hansen offensive line for the baggers he has been waived uh, uh waived injured likely the end of the 2020 sixth round pick I'm actually kind of surprised he lasts this long, really. Like, he was a guy, like, basically, for the most part of Aaron Rodgers' career, this offensive line, when healthy, is is normally pretty good. And they've had a lot of years in there where it's not only pretty good, but it's pretty deep. I was honestly kind of surprised that he made the team as a six-round pick. Like, I get being kept on as the practice squad your first year. I mean, they, they used the draft capital on you makes sense, but he was always a little undersized at center, especially for the NFL, uh, you know, size, but I, I I'm kind of surprised he hung on as long as he did. Really? Yeah, he is, uh, he's now been waived. So that's about it for, uh, our guy, Jake Hansen. Um, I'll tell you that Packers got, uh, today is their last day for, uh, the public to see training camp. And they're moving the practice up from noon to, I think, about 10 o'clock. So we're coming up here uh, to beat kind of the heat. I don't know how much heat you're going to be beating, but uh, I guess to shave a couple of degrees off. But, yeah, the Packers moving their uh, practice up 
And then it's time for the last preseason game on Saturday. A little noon kick against the, the I don't Seahawks. Know, I don't know how much moving your practice around today is going to help with the no. heat because we were talking about just yes, on just my saying. way here at 530. It but... was 83, and I stepped out of the car. And my glasses <laughs> fogged up. I know. I, like, I walked out of my house at 430 in the morning. It was it was hot. I don't, it was not. I don't think starting at a particular time, whether that be six thirty in the morning or six thirty at night or anywhere in between, here. is going to help them. We're going to adjust practice tomorrow, so we'll probably move it up a little bit. Um, you know, I saw that heat heat index supposed to be around a hundred or whatever. So uh, initially, we we're going to practice at noon, but it'll probably be more around the, the normal training camp time, whether it's 10, 30, 11, somewhere in that, that vicinity. I'm, oh. I'm guessing 11 o'clock. In Madison here, it's currently 86 yeah, degrees. It's just so humid, it's, though. It's, it feels like oh, Green 99. Bay? 83. There you go. They beat a couple of You years. know, I think you should pull. You know how LaFleur has them do their little team activity days. They go, you know, paintballing or they do whatever. Should go to the Dells? Or should just go to the water yeah. park. Yeah. yeah. He needs to go big, big, uh, big Mike McCarthy on him. You know, when he needs to fire up a team, he's not afraid to to use some sludge hammers on watermelons. Yeah. He's not afraid to switch it up. the Cowboys. Like he's Gallagher. Gonna, he's going he's, he's gonna to take the Green Bay Packers, and by he, Matt LaFleur is going to take the Green Bay Packers on a pool day. Yeah, yeah pool day. Bring yeah. them to the Lazy River. The, take the, the local take uh, the lake. outdoor pool. I don't know if they have one, but maybe they should. On a hot day like this, would you prefer a lake or a pool? Either or. Yeah, both work. You don't have a preference? I usually prefer pools. Yeah, but lake. You don't like I mean, getting dirty. You don't like either. You don't like getting sand. A, on a beach on the lake is different than like going on the boat on the lake. Well, yeah, like a so beach, like, beach, beach lake, beach lake, beach lake or pool. 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 Man, you gotta go beach, Austin. You gotta go beach. Pool. Get out there. You don't like little. You don't like sand in your cracks, do you? Not really. Not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more from Lafleur though. He's talking about you know coming up here. This week is from the intense heat to intensity on the field. As there's some bubble guys trying to make the team. It's training camp. And we still have another game to get prepared for, and I still think there's a lot of battles um, and positions to be fought for. So uh, we're attacking it the same way we have up to this point. Well, what's the biggest question, Mark? How many receivers they keep, Rowdy? Like, how many receivers are they going to have battling for these finite amount of spots? Yeah, I think overall with some of the younger players that they took in the draft, like on the defensive line, you probably can name a lot of the defensive line that's going to go through. We know all the veterans in the secondary that are going to be, you know, kept on. Uh, same with kind of linebacker. You kind of know the the gist of who it is. But then you look at the offense, and the offensive line is pretty well set. Obviously, the the quarterback position, you know what you kind of have. You, you kind of get down. It's it's kind of just receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Like tight end, it's so young, and then with with Tyler Davis going down with a knee injury, it's like, well, that opened up another spot for somebody. It's It really is. I guess outside a receiver, I guess you'd be considering who's the third or fourth running back. Yeah. Because like, yeah, Patrick Taylor has been there for forever, it feels like, as like kind of that third, fourth guy. But you had Tyler Goodson that came in last year and made the practice squad out of Iowa, showed that he could be like a third down back. And now you have this Wilson who's come out of nowhere and run the football well. So I guess, yeah, outside of res- – it's it's all offense, but it makes yeah, sense because yeah. the offense is so young. Yeah, and we you know, know that there's more vets on D. I would say who gets that third-slash-fourth running back role and how do they fill in the top 
six. You'd imagine it's six wide receivers. Yeah. Um, LaFleur, more from him talking about the importance of reps this week for the bubble. Everything's important. Every every rep these guys get, whether it's on offense, whether it's in one-on-one, whether it's in on, on WeFence, uh, every, every rep these guys get is absolutely critical for them. I just forget he says we fence. That's uh, kind of cringy. Uh, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> it's we fence. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, he does talk, though, about Malik Heath, uh, the rookie undrafted free agent wide receiver. So, uh, yeah. I love his competitive spirit. I love uh, how he goes out there and competes, whether it's in the run game, it's in the pass game. And certainly we've got to give him more of an opportunity and uh, to showcase what he can do on teams because – as a young player in this league, many times that's how you get your first crack at it, to, to build that trust um, from your teammates, from your coaches, to go in there and, and handle more responsibility. But um, I, I think, you know, in a short period of time, he's, he's done a nice job, but you can never rest easy in this league. You can't, ever, you can't take a breath for one second. You've got to keep pushing. And that's our job, too, is to continue to push him. He's still a very young player, and he's got a lot to learn. But I think up to this point, he's done a pretty nice job. Yeah, so uh, I know he's been making some waves. So uh, we'll see. As uh, training camp nearing its end, before you know it, they're going to be down in Chicago at Soldier, taking on Justin Fields and the Bears. And we'll see what uh, Jordan Lovick can stamp his uh, ownership card that Favre and Rodgers had before him of uh, the Bears. Oh, some... Some breaking news coming from some peeps here. State Farm now dropping Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Yeah, that happened yesterday. Yeah, State Farm dropping Aaron Rodgers as their spokesperson going all in on Patrick Mahomes. That's crazy. I'm sure he doesn't really care. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. he made enough money off them. But we don't support some it's like of the-, the staple of Aaron Rodgers' career, State Farm. Uh, I know. Hey, what Austin, and you'll figure this out the older you get, uh, all good things eventually must do come, come to an end. end. <laughs> what comes up eventually must come down. Well, uh, water, what Rowdy finds its what? Finds its level. Yeah, water finds its level. Mm-hmm. So uh, the dream is over with State Farm. I'll say the this. The dream is over. A, uh, what the hell is that? I'll say this. Never once has a celebrity endorser strayed me to get a different kind of insurance or not. And never, no. never have really cared. No. Way. In fact, but, when I look at like people having celebrities as the, endorsing them, and then I look at my insurance rates, like what if you didn't? give millions of dollars to those athletes or celebrities, yeah. would my premiums go down a little bit then? What if you didn't? Maybe you could get the Patrick uh, I will say, <laughs> what if you didn't spend the all that money? The last person that really endorsed a product and I went out and bought and now I buy it over and over, it's the shoes, man. It's the New Balance. Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor was the new hot up-and-coming Indian shortstop at the time, and he was kind of being thrown all over. But he was on – they were more of like a training shoe. Yeah. But I wore them, bought them. They were comfortable as hell. And now even years later when they're really back. not never mainstream shoe anymore, still buy them because they're comfortable. Brody has never looked back from the Francisco Lindor and New Balance Shoes. I think yeah, I shoe, bought them the shoes last. Shoes I can understand, like basketball shoes. Like the kids buy their favorite players' shoes. Like for did their, you, Austin? I did. <laughs> and what were they? The Kyrie's. Since your dad. I did, yep, I had a pair of Kyrie's. Yeah, I man. had a pair of Paul George. You Paul? Um, you like Paul George? Well, I I, I like the shoes that. Oh, I saw okay, in, that makes sense. In Foot Locker. I always, <laughs> <laughs> I always saw my dad as my hero and my my favorite sports player. Even though when he was at his, uh, you know, like. 
Just way about New Balance. Yeah, men, men <laughs> pickup league or beer softball. So I invested in the Nike Monarchs. Yeah, the Nike uh, White Monarchs. They weren't great for you know ankle support. Dad did his best work when he's grilling out on the porch, <laughs> wearing those things or mowing the yard. If you if you're a dad and you don't have White Monarchs, are you really a dad? No. Ask yourself that. Ask yourself that. Nine and three is where uh, the Badgers were predicted at in the uh, Adam Clanton, uh, Clattenburg ESPN ratings. Nine and three. And I was listening to the camp with uh, Zach Halprin, Jesse Temple, and they were talking about a certain stretch. And this is the nine and three, the three losses coming to conference play. And the stretch where ESPN gave them the losses was Iowa, Illinois, and then Ohio State. Well, now they, they, they didn't. That's where the Zach court, and the, Jesse, like, pinpointed it. Be like, where else do you see three losses? Yeah. Do you really see Wisconsin losing three in a row in the middle of the season like that? Is that the make-or-break part of the schedule? That's why I bring it up. Is this the make-or-break part of the schedule? Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State. When you look back at last year, that's absolutely the point where one game is on the road. Iowa. Right. Uh, No, no. Illinois. Or Illinois. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, But that's the one place you could see it. Like, it's it's just. Is that make-or-break for the season? I think everybody, I guess what's your expectations everybody are. except Zach is you can, chalking you can up get a loss. To, you can get to the Big Ten Championship game with three losses. Yeah, it happened last year. Yeah. Um, especially in the West. Um, <laughs> it's it, it. Illinois straight up dominated us last year. That You could tell, though, that that Washington State, looking back at it, the Washington State game, you're like, this team is, is dead. Right. Well, and after the game, we found out, due to comments from Keanu Benton, that team gave up during that game, even though it was 17-14. Yeah. yeah. You gave up in a one-score game. Congratulations. God, and the fans and then, just piling out of the stadium, too. And then two games later, everybody was crying because your coach got fired. Because you gave up on him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, some of his body language looks like he gave up on the season, too. Not going to lie. Um, it was bad I, all around. Yeah, I think it was just... I, I don't know what it was, but... We we talked about it last year. You watched some of the coaching staff body language last year. It looks like they didn't want to be there. Um, well, let's look at these teams each play each year. I think just overall looking at the schedule, there's only four games that somewhat could be, oh, those are potential losses. It's Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, Minnesota. I feel like this is too early yeah. for Nebraska. I like Matt Rule quite a bit. I thought he was really, really good at Baylor. And he's turned programs around. Mm-hmm. I think obviously, Temple. I think obviously Carolina was just a little bit too far, you know, over his head for uh, yeah, coaching. I'm with you there. I think he's one of those. He's a darn good college head coach. No need to move on to the. Pros. And I think even <laughs> if you look at his tenure with the Panthers, they still did some good things there. Mm-hmm. They obviously didn't have the best roster, which. Uh, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to make an excuse say, oh, I think he would be a great NFL head coach if you would have had a better roster. But I think the roster wasn't the greatest, and it was pretty inconsistent just in general. But I'm with you. I think good college head coach, pretty mediocre NFL head coach. And it was just a little <laughs> a little too in over his head. Most but of back, them are. But back in college, he has a... a University in Nebraska that's willing to front a lot of money to get back to being what Nebraska actually 
sees themselves as, and that's a, a blue blood powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Like they'll fund it yeah. because that's all they have. Now I think it's too early. Clearly, he, you know, he, transfer portal and recruiting can help you do that a little sooner than you know what it could have a few years ago. <laughs> but I still think it's early for Nebraska, especially with what they had and they've had since Scott Frost. I, I think it's early for Nebraska, but who knows? It is the end of the season. But overall, just looking at it, it's those four games to me. And I I, I could pinpoint the scariest game on the schedule for me looking North at Western? this. Oh, sorry. At, I thought you were talking about for Nebraska. <laughs> no, it's, it's at <laughs> Illinois. And so uh, back to enough about Nebraska, back to Wisconsin. That first game about Iowa. Let's look at that game first before we get to that Illinois game. The Iowa game, I mean, obviously they got the defense to do it, the Iowa Hawkeyes. But the kid Wisconsin, I, we don't know what they have on the field, obviously. Yeah, we got to see it all uh, fold out with Tanner Mordecai and these wide receivers. But are we really thinking Wisconsin's going to take a loss to Iowa, who's got a hard time scoring points as it is at Camp Randall? Year. Like, is that, that defense is the real deal? Would that be enough to stop the air raid, wink, wink? You talk about momentum and the teams, the teams, I don't want to say character, but like they're into it last year. They're wanting to be there. Mm -hmm. I think you have to go before Iowa for this year. And you look at it's Buffalo. You look at the rematch with Washington state, Georgia Southern at Purdue with a first year head coach. That's defensive minded. That lost a lot of players that lost their quarterback. I think this Wisconsin team when you run through the first five games is going to be in a much different place than where they were last year. It's going to be, you know, emotions are high. People are feeling good. You have a soft five games to start the year with to get this new offense, new coaching staff, even new players with all the transfers and recruits in working and on the same page. You got five soft games to start. I think they will be all up. They'll be excited because in theory they should be five and oh, and Iowa could potentially be four and one, five and zero. Oh. They'll be excited. It'll be you know a, a game at Camp Randall in in mid October. That feels good to me. Like they'll roll into that feeling good, or at yeah, least a lot they of confidence should. built up. And then you go to Illinois, Rowdy, the one that you were circling, and uh, that's that's my biggest one. It's because you come off the high of beating Iowa, but yet you're sandwiched between Ohio State, which at this point, if if it goes as I see it going, you're undefeated a week out from Ohio State, who's probably also undefeated. It's supposed to already be a night game in Madison, all eyes on you, but you forgot about one team, and it's the team that punked you last year in Camp Randall, but it's a guy that used to coach your university. It's a Jim Leonard. uh, uh, He's not a coordinator, but he is a consultant now. He knows everything about a lot of those players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And you have two former players that also played at Wisconsin and know the university. There's a lot of familiarity. They punked you last year, and it's a look ahead spot of all look ahead spots in their house. See, I don't think I don't. That's why I don't take it. In that's why I don't take it as a look ahead game because they got revenge on the brain. You got Brett Bielema there. You got former Wisconsin guys. I think they use that all as bulletin board. That's I don't. It's a scary spot. I don't believe it as a look ahead game though because of all the extracurriculars that go into it, especially last year of trying to get revenge and going to their house to do it. And then you know what you got in Ohio State coming up. But I feel like there's so much we want to get back uh, for what you did to us last year and punk you in your own house. That's why I don't I don't perceive it as a look-ahead game, but with Ohio State looming, it is. it gets a little tough sledding right there. It does. It really does. If you, Well, if you go in there, and even if you do, say, lose to Illinois, you drop your first game, you have that big Ohio State matchup 
uh, we'll just say for fun they lose that game. You have two losses, and you're sitting here early in the season at 3-2 and two in the Big Ten West. But if you just hold serve with teams that you're supposed to beat, you're sitting there at Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska. All of a sudden, you're 6-2 and two in the Big Ten. You probably already have that uh, Big Ten West looking pretty good as being the leader. Then you have Minnesota at Minnesota. Now, they've normally played pretty tough at Minnesota, and that's kind of been a back-and-forth type series since, unfortunately, P.J. Fleck took over. I think they're roughly 500 against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But I, I think overall, the only real look-ahead spot that I see, it's at Illinois, and maybe, just maybe, if they somehow make it through that Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, and they're... You know, that's three games turn it up to 11 for energy at Indiana on the backside of that just feels like a bleh type week just because it's Indiana. It's, you know, you you just played Iowa who's ranked Illinois might be ranked. It was, you know, a top 10 Ohio State under the lights. There's a lot of energy that is having to be used up three weeks in a row, especially in big time situations and games. The at Indiana the next week after that feels like it could be a turd of a game. So my <laughs> my look aheads just looking at the schedule would be at Illinois and at Indiana. The rest I feel like are it's just those four games. God, if you can't get up for getting at uh, back at the great pumpkin of Brett Bielema, then man, Joel Klatt, uh, he ranked his top ten quarterbacks for the twenty twenty three season, uh, and Graham Mertz is number ten. Number one, J.J. McCarthy. Two, Caleb Williams. Three, Drake May. Four, Michael Penix Jr. Five, Jane Daniels. Six, Bo Nix. Seven, Tra- uh, Jordan Travis. Eight, Spencer Rattler. Uh, nine, uh, Cade Klubnik. And ten, Graham Mertz. Can you run through that list a little slower here? I just want to. I just want to mentally. J.J. McCarthy, number one. Okay. Caleb Williams, number two. Yep. Drake May, number three. All three are better. Michael Penix Jr. Four. Yep. Jaden Daniels, number five. Mm-hmm. Number six, Bo Nix. Number seven, Jordan Travis. Number eight, Spencer. He could win the Heisman, Jordan Travis. Number eight, Spencer Rattler in his G-Wagon. Number nine, <laughs> he's got one now. You see that? You see his G-Wagon he's got? Rattler? Yeah. 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 And uh, nine, Cade Kl- uh, Klubnik. Yep, and that's the new quarterback that they threw into the starting role with Clemson last year because uh, DJ Ugaluga. That I totally pronounced that Wrong. Yeah, you forgot a few. But the DJU, <laughs> DJU was benched and transferred to Oregon State. Yeah, so um, I would clearly say all those quarterbacks that were listed are better than Graham Mertz. And then Graham Mertz, yeah, number that's, ten. That's this is top in the nation. ten in the country. I know. And Graham Mertz is like, tenth in the I, nation. Or Joel Klatt. I, I feel like I could come up with at least one quarterback that's better. I, I could probably still come up with like, <laughs> like one that, more. I'm just saying, it's like. I don't know about this one. I like Joel Klatt. I think Joel Klatt's pretty good, but... Uh, I might put Cade McNamara ahead of him. I don't know about that list. Yeah, no. Graham Hurts, number 10 in the nation? Yeah, I don't know what Joel Klatt's thinking. I feel, I'm with RJ. Like, I think I, you can I pull... I hope the best for him. So, so do I. But, like, how can you look at his body of work and say he's the number 10 quarterback in the nation? Well, let's just look at... I don't know. Let's he, just, he must really love his press conferences. Let's just look at the Big Ten. If he was coming back to Wisconsin and you look at the Big Ten, obviously he doesn't have to contend with uh, C.J. Stroud. Hudson Card is a better quarterback than him. But he, I mean, <laughs> in the Big Ten, he didn't have to 
he wouldn't have to compete with CJ Stroud. Yeah. He wouldn't have to compete with Sean Clifford, two guys that in college football were clearly better than him the last two, three years. But I'm just looking at the Big Ten in general. Yeah, J.J. McCarthy's on that list. We don't even know what Ohio State is, but I guarantee you he's going to be a four or five star. Uh, they're going into game one with Indiana, going to be playing two, both their quarterbacks. Penn State also was playing a guy that they actually rotated a little bit with Clifford last year. That was a higher prospect. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to just say clearly he's better than Mertz because Mertz was a high prospect and never worked out. But, I mean, just looking, I'm with you. McNamara, I mean, when he did play and was giving playing time yeah. in Michigan, was pretty darn solid. He was like a, a Jack Cone of Michigan. I mean, I'd hate to say it, but I put Calic Manis over him from Minnesota. Oh, remember that experience with Ben Kenny? Yeah. I don't know if I would for a full season, but definitely to get Ben Kenny going and for one particular game, I, I wouldn't be against it. Purdue's got a new quarterback, Northwestern. Eh. But like, look at what Hudson Card did at Texas when he was playing, like, I, like, I would put him above Graham Mertz right now. I think you could, you definitely could argue uh, Tulua Tagovailoa. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if, if off the top of my head, if I could for sure say he'd be the third best quarterback in the Big Ten. He's yeah. definitely behind Tagovailoa, and he's definitely behind J.J. McCarthy. And that's, we don't know what Ohio State's going with. We don't know Penn State's going with. And we could even say McNamara. Uh, he might be fourth, and that's not counting Ohio State and Penn State. Yeah. And clearly they could turn out the next big thing. Now, if there was a quarterback battle this year, who would you take? Mordecai or Mertz? Mordecai. Mordecai. And that's blind. Yeah. Because I've seen Easy. what Mordecai did at SMU. Yeah. Not saying that SMU is Big Ten football, because it's clearly not. It's not. Yeah. But he has played against power five conferences. Mm -hmm. SMU does play in the American, which the American for being a non power five has had teams that compete or at least can play up to the level of some of the lesser big 10 teams. Yep. Uh, I would take Mordecai. Now he might not look as good as Graham Mertz would the first few weeks of the season because it's a new offense. It's new coaching staff, not only for Wisconsin, but for him as well. But, I mean, weeks five, six, and seven where we're seeing him struggle against Michigan State last year or Nebraska, I would take Mordecai because he's going to have those first first five weeks are going to be soft. Get him ready. Get him. It's Mordecai time, baby. Yep. Mordecai time. Mordecai time. Oh, boy, do we got some drama going down in college football. But off the field. Uh, this uh, breaking over the night into the morning, Reggie Bush is going to be suing the NCAA or is suing the NCAA. Uh, the ex-USC star has filed a defamation lawsuit uh, against the gigantic entity that is the NCAA. Uh, this was uh, uh, yeah, yesterday. Um, the lawsuit is based on the NCAA maliciously attacking his character through a completely false and highly offensive statement that was widely reported in the media and substantially and irreparably damaged his reputation. Uh, goes on to say that uh, although college athletes can now receive benefits from name, image, likeness, NIL, through activities like endorsement and appearances, NCAA rules still do not permit pay-for-play type arrangements. Uh, an NCAA spokesperson said in the statement, the NCAA infractions 
uh, process exists to promote fairness in college sports. The rules that govern fair player voted on, agreed, and expected to be upheld by all NCAA members. Uh, that was the response uh, from the NCAA to Reggie Bush's lawsuit. And now, Rowdy, uh, Reggie Bush, is uh, this all has to do with Bush's attempt to have his 2005 Heisman, Heisman Trophy reinstated as it was forfeited in, what, 2010? After all of this uh, investigations into benefits and yada yada came to light, why can't they just give the guy the high? It's not like him driving around an SUV made him run the ball better. Yeah, I think at this point, it's it's kind of like steroids in baseball to me. It's like I, I believe Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and all those guys should be in the Hall of Fame, but they should have like their own specific steroid wing where it's like, we know there's an asterisk next to Barry Bonds' home run record because he he did hit that many, yeah, and he, he still, still had it. to hit the baseball, but he had a lot of extra power, and he had a lot of extra help. Yeah. Okay, like, let me ask you this. with um, his, he, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He should have his Heisman. There'll just always be an asterisk next to Reggie Bush because he took money. But the other thing is, how many of the people that could have potentially won the Heisman that year? Because obviously great players win the Heisman. How many of those other great players were getting paid on the side yeah, that or had money deals that didn't get caught or it didn't come to light because they actually weren't Reggie look Bush at, in the highs? Look at Johnny Manziel. He was talking about in his documentary about how he, his friend and him made up the story about him having oil money as a family. That way they could hide money from the autographs they were selling. You know what's hilarious? Like, what, what's, what's the difference? So I was telling you off air that I had just watched that within the last week. And when they said we made up this fake money saying he came from oil money, I remember hearing, oh, well, Johnny Manziel comes from oil money. And everyone said he was already well off. Yeah, I remember remember that, that too. too. And now that you watch the documentary roughly 10 years later and it was all fake and they made it up. But everyone believed it because one person said it and they're like, oh, they ran with it. He is from Texas. And he seemed like that douchey kind of kid that would come from a a money, a family of money where he would like, my dad's going to sue you if you beat me up. Like one of those things. Like, I totally thought he was from oil money. It worked. It worked it for worked. him. It clearly worked. I mean, uh, how can Reggie, Bu- Reggie Bush accepted cash, uh, travel expenses, and a home in the San Diego area uh, where Bush's parents live rent-free for more than a year, uh, which they provided also $10,000 worth of furniture? Well, what about, did that make him run the ball better? What about no. LeBron James when he was in high school and all of a sudden his you know single mother, Where remember, and LeBron will have you remember this, that he did stay in the in in a car when he was like before he was 12. Yeah. Like he did live in a car for a second. Right. He'll 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 remind you. What? Remember when his mom was driving an Escalade and he was like they were driving Escalade? It's like where did you think that came so, so from? So is Reggie Bush just the guy that has to fall on the sword despite everyone else around him? Well, like, technically LeBron never went to college, well, so that's he didn't true. have but you well, get I mean, he Johnny was doing, Manziel, right there. I'm from oil money. Well, there's hawking autographs. <laughs> yeah. Like as he should be able to. That's the thing, though. Dude, could you imagine how much you think about guys that didn't have great NFL careers and some people would have said didn't profile at all to the NFL, but could have made a ton of money in college for their name image likeness. First two that come to mind, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow. Yeah, like two of two of the greatest college football quarterbacks, arguably of all time. I bet you could go right down the list. These guys have to be in your top 10. Like they would have made so much money 
in college because of all the people that were buying their stuff. Like you got to see a little bit into that in that untold Johnny Manziel documentary, how much money he was making. If he would have played college football for four years and just cashed in strictly NIL? on that, Ooh. the guy probably never even needed to play NFL for no. all the money. He could have just literally lived off his college NIL. You got, uh, by the way, for NIL, I just saw a Wisconsin band member just got an NIL deal with Quick Trip. I'll have to get the details on that. I mean, everyone's getting NIL money. You could come. Look at that little uh, Mabry Matoyer, the quarterback coming in for the Badgers next year, aka God's Little Boy. That's his Instagram handle. He's already playing with the Packers at a at the at the celebrity softball game. He's getting mad money. Like Arch Manning is getting how, like millions and millions. Well, of there dollars. were all already guys that were going into their senior year of high school that had were like that were big time recruits that were signing these somewhat NIL deals or you even have I know that there's been one or two here you have guys going into their senior year of high school that are like sitting out almost like remember how um, you know guys that were ready to go to the draft would sit out a bowl game Mm -hmm. and then that became a bigger and bigger thing now you're having it's not a ton but you're having a few here and there seniors in high school sitting out their senior season of high school football because they don't want to take the hits and be injured going in or and risk potential the bag. injury and risking because they're already a top prospect. That that was it. when Reggie Bush was taking the money to play at USC. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it was unheard of for guys sitting out of bowl games. Yeah, it was unheard. It was even crazier for a high school senior not Just to play. Yeah, it's like you're doing what? But yeah, so Reggie Bush now is suing the NCAA and good for him. Uh, get get it reinstated. Get your Heisman Trophy and get your stats reinstated. You remember reinstated. how crazy the Reggie Bush USC era was? It was unbelievable. Was? I mean, they were so USC was so good. It but was so fun. He was he was so electric yeah. as a running back. He was unbelievable to watch. And the NCAA is like, well, you got cash and a car and some house. Uh, no, you didn't win the Heisman. You never did any of that stuff. It's the dumbest thing ever. Give the man his trophy. Hot take: Was Lendell White better than Reggie Bush at running back? He's pretty darn good he at USC. Good. Now, I mean, speaking of a guy that was before his time when it comes to NIL, because he could have made a ton of money off of NIL too, but how about the fact that uh, you have like third down backs now in the NFL or you have these dual, we have the A.J. Dillon, who's, you know, your, your hammer, and yeah. then you have the speed in Aaron Jones. Oh, yeah. Could you not... Do you imagine Reggie Bush now? Because Reggie Bush now, as like a third down back or your speed guy, where he's matched up with like an A.J. Dillon, where he can still catch the ball out of the backfield, and he can be a quote-unquote playmaker on the outside. Mm -hmm. Man, I mean, he would have been even better than a guy that had to try to run through the tackles as, as what he was. Like, not saying that Reggie Bush didn't run through the tackles, because he still had some pretty productive seasons like in Miami and, oh, yeah. and and years where he ran for a thousand plus and he was asked to be that type of guy. But if he was really asked to be like a a guy that ran it through the tackles occasionally and he was more your outside speed and the guy that the running back that caught it out of the backfield, he would have been electric in the NFL too. He was just a he was just a little before his time. No, oh, yeah. Um, but what happens to guys that are always a little before their time? They never actually reach what their true potential was and normally the people have reminisce the guy, on them. Yeah, they're the guys what that been. that went through the you know the gate first and yeah. got they, they walked so others could ball, right? Yeah, exactly. They crawled and he was still a ball. Right? <laughs> he, he was, was a ball. C.